We continue this morning uh, with a second in a sermon in a series of three uh, taken from uh, the Acts of the Apostles written by uh, Luke, the great physician, who was the companion and co-worker of Paul, the apostle of Christ. And uh, it is the story of that man who was born lame, who had been laid by the gate uh, day after day, year after year, the gate called Beautiful in the great temple in Jerusalem. Uh, I remind you that when Jesus was resurrected and appeared for 40 days uh, to his uh, followers, on the last time that he was with them, he led them out to Mount Olivet, above, towering above the city of Jerusalem. And as he uh, led them out there, these words, Luke said, they spoke to him. Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times and seasons that have been set by God's authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. You will receive power. And that's what we have seen with Peter and John entering that gate so long ago and giving this man a whole help that he could now stand and leap and join with them in the temple. So let us pray for uh, God's Spirit to uh, sharpen our ears and our hearts to hear this portion of his word this morning. Let us pray first. Lord, Lord, we do thank you that you have spoken to us for a long time, uh, not only in what you've created and what we can see, but you spoke to us, two individuals who uh, communicated that to the rest of us. And we thank you that you caused them to write what you had spoken to them. We thank you for those who have translated it into languages around the world. And we ask your spirit now to help us hear it, see it with our eyes, and understand it with our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so our text this morning will start in Acts 4, verse 1. And... Um, let us listen to God's word together. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed. And they numbered about 5,000. I point out a couple of things here. This is while Peter and John are speaking to the crowd that had observed this man so well known, now walking amongst them and leaping. Nobody else was leaping that day. 
And he was obvious. And when they saw who it was, they were stunned and they gathered. And Peter and John began to speak to them. And we're going to cover what they said to them next Sunday. But after speaking to them, these authorities, the priests who were in charge of what was going on in the temple, and the captain of the guard with probably some of the, the, the guard of the temple who protected that order would be maintained in the temple. And another group called Sadducees. They were a theological, political party uh, contrasted with the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed that they should keep every law that God had given them was written in the Old Testament. And they should stay clear of anybody who wasn't doing a very good job of that. They were the hypocrites, Jesus said. But they were at least trying to maintain the laws of God. The Sadducees were their contrast. They were people of the world, though they were Jews. They wanted to identify with the world. In the Roman Empire, they they admired the Greeks. They wanted to participate with the Romans. Uh, They wanted to be in the world and of the world. And they did not believe that there was any life after death. There was no resurrection of the dead, according to the Sadducees. And that's why we called, say, they were sad, you see. (laughs) All right, you'll get that a couple more times while I'm the interim pastor, but maybe the next time you can all say it together. (laughs) It's one way to remember. A couple of other things we should note here. Um, Luke writes, it was already evening. Luke is... Luke is that physician who is always an observer in, in, his, in his desire to heal people. He was an observer, an investigator, and a note-taker. He was, he was a, a, a knowledgeable person, and he wrote like that. So he tells us it was, in the, it was already evening, and that's why they arrested them and just put him in jail. So what time... Did Peter and John walk into that through that beautiful gate and heal that man? Three o'clock. Thank you, Melanie. Now, if we can get more people to pay attention to the details. <laughs> Keep it up. So three o'clock. What time do you think evening would be? Five-ish, six-ish? So... Peter and John, and this amazing spectacle, which has attracted 5,000 people, has interrupted the set three o'clock hour of prayer in the temple. And the the chief priests have had it up to here by five or six o'clock in the afternoon, and they're trying to shut this down. Um, So we, though it's an insight into the scriptures, how we are given just a few words and sentences or a paragraph and that it involves more time than we might think. It also reveals it may involve many more people than we would think. So Luke is such a gift to us, God's wonderful servant, to write so well for us that gives us clues and details that just enriches the story for us and draws us into it. So we go on to the next verse. Verse 5 says, The next day, their rulers, 
elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? If I was Peter and John, I'd say, do what? Notice that these authorities didn't want to name what had happened. They didn't want to say they had healed someone. They said, well, by what authority do you do this? As far as they were concerned, maybe disrupting the temple worship, taking over the temple. I mean, it meant a lot to them. What authority? Annas was the high priest, the most powerful religious figure in Israel. Apart from the Roman rulers and Pilate, Annas called the shots. Annas, though, was the retired high priest. And I don't think he'd come back on an interim basis because Caiaphas was the current high priest. It was Caiaphas who was named at the trial of Jesus. And so... Caiaphas was his son-in-law. John is really Jonathan, according to the Western text of transmission of the New Testament. And Jonathan was the actual son, one of the actual sons of Annas, and he would succeed Caiaphas. Between that whole priest, high priestly family of Annas, they dominated as chief priests for nearly 75 years in the first century or at least 70, because the temple was destroyed in 70. Um, So that's a little bit of who was there. They had gathered all of the power structure, and they they were the leaders of the official body called the Sanhedrin. And so this was a a trial they were putting on, but they didn't want to name the offense. They didn't want to admit it. So we continue. Verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Rub it in on the Sadducees. (laughs) Note here that Peter says, um, this man who is standing before you. So when Luke had written in the first couple paragraphs, they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. We think Peter and John. Hey, it may have been a couple of other apostles tossed in there, uh, but we probably didn't think that the lame man would have been taken into custody too. But as far as the officials were concerned, he could have been part of a hoax. He could have been a con man. He could have been deceiving people. Maybe he hadn't been sick after all. So they swept him up. 
You might say, uh, we might observe that the lame man could have said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I'm not part of them. <clears throat> no, 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 don't take me too. I, I was just the lame man. But he didn't. He was one of them now. Wouldn't you be? Wouldn't he be grateful to them? And didn't they, didn't they take his hand when they said get up? That's what, that's what Luke recorded. They took him by the right hand. He even mentions right hand. Didn't take him both hands. Took his right hand. And I mentioned that last week. It was not only to steady him, but it was to welcome him into the family of Jesus Christ. As healed people always or most often did. They were grateful. They were struck by God's power when they encountered it in Jesus. They wanted to stay with him. And so, too, it was with the early apostles and disciples who had the power that God had given them through the Holy Spirit. And Peter was not on the defensive. Even though he was being put on trial, Peter and John, they were not defensive. They took the offensive. They knew who they were representing. They could tell the difference between these human beings who were trying to lead Israel falsely at that time and God. So the story continues. Verse 11. Peter and Peter continues. This Jesus is, quote, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Peter continues and he points out and picks out a famous text known to them. It is from Psalm 118, verse 22. By the way, that is the psalm that contains, this is the day the Lord has made. Psalm 118, I commend to you. Good stuff in it. But this is, he's saying, the stone that was rejected by you, that's Jesus. You are the Jewish leaders, religious leaders, the servants of God, the shepherds that are misleading the flock. And Jesus has become the cornerstone of the people of God. And then Peter says this statement, which is our key statement this morning. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Not just we here in this meeting, not just we here who gather at the temple. This is a we for the world by which the world must be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They knew that. There is no other name given among mortals by which we must be saved. No, not Abraham, not Isaac or Jacob, your great patriarchs. It is not their name that will save you. It is not David, our great king, not Elijah, 
that great prophet through whom remarkable miracles were done. Not the other great prophet, Jeremiah. No, not even the name of Moses will save us. It is only the name of Jesus that will save us. And when Peter mentioned the name of Jesus, he said, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised. He was giving them both barrels right between the eyes. Jesus, a common name, um, and so to identify him, he said, Jesus of Nazareth. And um, I'll try to tell you about this another time, but very common names always had to have what town they were from or who their father was. If it's not a common name, they didn't have to have that. So if you go read your list of the apostles, you can see which names were common and which names were rare. I'll tell you more about that later. Not tonight, not today. Uh, so this is the great statement that our sermon is built around this morning. There is no other name. It is so because uh, they had come to believe that this name represented Jesus, their friend, and Jesus had been with them for three years, and they knew him. And they'd come to believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. They'd come to believe that God was in three persons. We'll sing a closing hymn, Holy, 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 which has the line, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. There is no word, the word Trinity is not found anywhere in the New Testament. Simply a word uh, given later to help us understand that God is one, but God has presented God's self to us in three persons. As a father, as the son of a father, proceeding from the father, and as the spirit of the father and the son. God always there behind the universe. God come in flesh like us to be with us for a moment in human history. And then God being with us spirit like the wind. And in Greek, it's the same word. They came to believe that uh, God was that way. And it's what we sing. It's hard to believe. It's hard to figure it out. But the early church uh, did not decide, hey, you know what? We've got we to gotta make a God that's three in one. It doesn't make sense. They only came to that because of everything they experienced, that God had presented himself that way. And the way Jesus spoke about his relationship with the Father and being the son. Uh,
I think I got a little off track. I want to go back to uh, verse 13. After uh, Peter had said, there's no salvation, no one else. Luke picks up the story and says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They saw two things. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they saw the man who had been cured standing there. They had nothing to say. Verse 16, the next slide says, They said, what will we do then? For it's obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. The next slide says, But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must be the judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. The rulers feared the people more than they feared God. They feared losing their power more than they feared God. The disciples said, we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. And what had Peter and John and the others seen and heard for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, three years? They saw Jesus do what only God could do. For three years, they heard Jesus say what only God could say. Remember a few of those. Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Jesus healing blind and lame and lepers and deaf. Jesus walking on water. Jesus calming a storm. And there were hundreds and hundreds of things they saw Jesus do. And they heard Jesus say things about himself that they could come to no other conclusion that he was God with them. He was truly human, but he was truly God. An amazing thing that, all, that has moved all of us to be where we are sitting this morning, being followers of Jesus Christ. John, the one standing with Peter, later put this into writing. It is from the 14th chapter of John, verses 6 and 7. 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. That's a familiar passage, if I remind you that we often read that during memorial services for people we grieve or mourn. It begins, do not let your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am that you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know the way. How can we, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And that's when Jesus said, I am the way and the life and the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is why they began to believe that God was in three persons. For Jesus also said to them, if you hear my commandments and do them, my Father will love you and we will come and make our home within you. Speaking of being in spirit in us. Jesus did not say God will come and make us. He said the Father and I will come and make our home. A normal person does not say that. A normal rabbi couldn't say that. A normal minister shouldn't say that. If any of us say that, you're going you're gonna to commit us. <laughs> Jesus did. Later, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, there's one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope of your calling. There's one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of us all, who is above all, through all, and in all. It is what we proclaim in our confessions. It's what we believe even if we still have questions. But it is what Jesus taught, and he backed it up with death and resurrection and appearances and we believe. And yet still we struggle and it is a day that we are being challenged. On January 4th of this year in our nation's capital it was the first session of the 117th uh, House of Representatives. And one of the members of the House, a representative, was invited to give the invocation. He was invited because he was a 30-year veteran pastor of a congregation, of a mainline congregation, a Protestant uh, church in our country. I I, I don't want to name him or or the denomination, uh, out of, uh, of, of kindness to the brother, <laughs> which he is. Sometimes we stray, and I suggest that he strayed. For he prayed a prayer that was very meaningful until he got to the end. 
And it ended like this. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. Peace in our families, peace across this land. And I dare ask, peace even in this chamber, now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. Amen and a woman. The hubbub was around adding a woman. The real concern was what he said just before that. In the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma. You know who Brahma is? One of the chief gods of the most polytheistic religion that still exists, the entire Hindu faith, which has nearly a thousand gods and goddesses. I'd love to put pictures of, the, of their representations up for you sometime, but not today. I say the brother strayed because in his desire to try to include everybody in the chamber in praying together, he wanted to pray in every name, setting aside the only name by which we are, any of us are saved. Those two earlier servants did not stray. Uh, they were living in a time like ours. Uh, we are living in a time when the immigration of people has brought the immigration of contrasting and contradicting religions. There is this God, there's that God, there's multiple gods, no, there's one God. God is like this, no, God is like that. What do we do? Do we just be sweet and deny what we have seen and heard in Jesus Christ? Those two earlier servants did not stray. They let it be known to those who are challenging them for the benefit of all the people there and forever that there is only one God and one name given to mortals by which we must be saved, even Jesus Christ our Lord. We put the photo of the lame man up one last time by Nicholas Poussin to remember that remarkable event. It had to be a very powerful event for 5,000 people present in that day to decide to let go of traditions and be, begin to give their lives to Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth. And so they did. By the grace of God, so shall we. We will not stray from the truth, the life, and the way in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we will always speak that truth with love and grace. Amen.